0: It's a good reminder that if we have the opportunity to see further than others, it's only because we're standing on the shoulders of giants. 322. Imagine if every moment of every day was unscheduled, unknown, and uncertain. We had to choose between your life and the life of another, where you were deployed somewhere in the world to face an unknown threat and an unseen enemy. This is the podcast designed to serve those who serve us. So join me as we unpack and uncover why we do what we do when we do it from life's most extreme moments. I'm your host, Jeff Bandman, and this is Mindset Radio. All right. Welcome back. This is Jeff Bandman, your host of Mindset Radio, to your Monday morning 30-minute podcast. Today, we have Marty Scovelin Jr. Do I say that right to pronounce your last name correct, Marty?
1: No. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. And, okay. and Thanks for having cool. me on, Jeff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Marty is currently a senior editor over at Coffee or Die magazine, the magazine we all love to read. Uh, and of course, I did read your article uh, a little while ago on, uh, and we'll talk about it today, uh, gas station coffee, because everybody makes fun of me for my 7-Eleven coffee. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Marty's been out there kind of really as a journalist post his, his military time, uh, covered things like the Standing Rock protest in North Dakota. Uh, he's been embedded with American special operations guys in Afghanistan, uh, broke the stories about the first female to make it through infantry training and ranger, school, ranger selection. Uh, he's published two books, which are completely awesome. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed, um, uh, the range regiment violence of action. I really enjoyed that. That was well done in my opinion. Uh, I've been a co-host on a few things, history channel, JFK declassified and has produced multiple award winning independent films, which are pretty rad. So I would say for a guy out of guy out of frigate battalion, man, you've done pretty well.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a journey and I think, uh, you know, if there's any place you're going to go as an 18-year-old fresh out of high school, I mean, you can do a lot <laughs> worse than Ranger Battalion if you're trying to set yourself
0: up for success later in life. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, and I want to explore kind of battalion. So when, what, when were you there? When were you at first time? Uh, so
1: I joined the Army in 2005 and made it to SECO 175 in Savannah, Georgia by spring of 2006, I believe it was, March okay. or April 2006. Um okay. And then I was there until... Uh, summer of 2010, uh, right. when I took off to go be a recruiter. So, um, about four and a half years <laughs> or so.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. But the guy that recruited me was from first range battalion, uh, Hollywood. There's, Holly there's not a lot
1: of them out there. A lot of <laughs> Rangers not. Don't go be recruiters. I, I got some raised <laughs> eyebrows when that was when I let people
0: know that's what I was going to do. Right. It's like, I'm going to go be a recruiter. What? I'm going to Delta. I'm going to SF. I'm going to be a recruiter. What?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it was good. And I think, I think actually was, uh, you know, making that transition to recruiting first kind of was a great little mini transition. And, you know, I think it's, I think a lot of guys struggle when they go straight from direct action, kicking down doors, you know, doing, you know, HVT snatches, um, to college the next day or civilian job the next day. And recruiting was kind of like that step down from, you're still wearing a uniform. You're still in the military, but it's a big army now, but it's decentralized and you're living in, in a regular community, not on a military base. And it was just a really nice little step down from battalion before I made that total transition to civilian life.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I mean, when we, when I came back from Kosovo in 99, literally I had two weeks and I was out. Yep. Like I came, came back, showed up, processed through everything and they said, bye. And yeah. I'm like, what? You know, and then I found myself sitting at home going, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. I can definitely imagine that. So, you know, I want to I want to start talking about I'd like to kind of explore what drove you to write uh, violence of action first, because I think that was uh, what I really like the way it's written, uh, like the approach in it and really just more of a kind of a hangout book, right? I mean, that's how mm-hmm. it felt to me. Like like I was hanging out, right? Hanging out in the barracks, hanging out, you know, it, if it was a fireman book, it'd be hanging out at the firehouse. Like it, real authenticity in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well,
1: I definitely didn't want it to read like a like a Stephen Ambrose-esque military history mm-hmm. piece. It was more about, um, I, I actually think I read, uh, you know, I occasionally go on there and read the Amazon reviews. And uh, one person wrote something that I thought was really Really great, where they said, you know I don't know if this will be the history book that they read a hundred years from now, but certainly this will be the source material used for the history book that is written a hundred years from now and I thought that was great because the point wasn't to give this really digested and uh analytical piece on what happened during that two thousand and one to two thousand and eleven time frame. it was rather just to capture the stories from the guy on the grounds a guy on the grounds perspective, you know I wasn't really interested in interviewing generals or or anything like that. It was more about like, Hey, let's tell your story before you start to forget the details, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is so important. I mean, cause that's where, and that is where to me, you know, the best things come. I mean, I, I, I feel like I've been so blessed in my life growing up in firehouse at 16, around a bunch of old school DC firemen, you know, guys that were fighting fires without air packs uh, You know, Jeez. back in the day. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what what old retired firemen do. They sit at the firehouse, drink coffee, and tell stories, right? So, (laughs) you know, you learn so much from there, that transition to the military with great people. I mean, I came into regiment at a time, uh, 95, so, you know, post-Somalia, but still had guys around, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, going to 3rd Battalion, uh, listening to that stuff, learning uh, still some of the, you know, relatively firsthand knowledge of what went on and what guys faced, and all right, so we're back. Uh, a little splice in there, just because technology sucks, and uh you know it just goes the way it goes. So we were, <laughs> we're worried, Marty. Yeah, exactly. I think we, we were, were talking uh,
1: about violence of act.
0: We were talking about violence of action and talking about the story there, and kind of the the way you approach it, the way you wrote it. You know, make sure we're mm-hmm. telling the stories of the guys uh, before they get rid of them. And I think that's you, know, you know, I think that's such a critical way we learn while we're still in the community, right? That through that, that vehicle of storytelling, of real authentic storytelling.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's um, the way I see it is almost that campfire style of Mm -hmm. just tell us the sights, the sounds, the smells, you know, we're not going to get into the policy or the strategic or the, you know, that 30,000 foot view, Um, you know, at the beginning of each, basically we broke down each chapter by year so you know 2001 was the first chapter so on and so forth and i would give a short little couple page overview of you know kind of set the scene for what was going on in that year but it wasn't real heavy into politics or strategy or policy by any means um and yeah, just, just some basic context scene. yeah some framing yep. of
0: it totally totally
1: 100% and um and from there it was a lot of you know interviewing guys and and guys kind of writing down their um, their experiences and then trying to mesh that all together and um, edit it and, um, you know, try to maintain that voice that was unique to each person. Um, I, I think that, you know, the typical copy editor would probably have a stroke if they saw some of the stuff that we <laughs> kept in there. But, you know, again, the point wasn't to have this stand up to the scrutiny of the larger writing community, I don't think. And certainly at that time, I didn't see myself as a writer, um, I think right. I'd probably be a lot more concerned with that today than I was then. At the time, the concern was, let's just make sure we get this history recorded and written down before, you know, one more person um, dies or or one more person, yep. you know, forgets a, a vital detail. Um, you know, let's make sure that these stories are there and and try to get a wide enough array of stories that anybody who picks up this book that served in the Ranger Regiment or... Um, was involved with the range regiment can identify with something in there, you know? Um, well, and I think we did a pretty decent job with that.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Because I think what it does is also gives some relevance back to, you know, other areas of life and it begins to help, you know, guys that are in other units or other roles or other scopes. I'll also see that, you know, there are patterns of life that are very similar, Yes. Right. I mean, I feel like, you know, you watch a movie, you know, you watch, uh, you know, you watch whatever, any World War II movie, you watch old school stuff. Like, I don't know for you, but it's like they get the characters correct because it's like I was, you know, that guy was in my platoon, that guy Mm -hmm. was in my squad, you know, that guy was in my team, like the personalities seem to carry in a timeless fashion. And I think what, what that creates is this, this cool relationship per se
1: yeah it's um you know the more i've interacted with vietnam veterans and world war ii veterans and uh people that have served in different time frames since i've served myself obviously i grew up hearing their stories and everything but Mm -hmm. there was no context there as far as my own military experience now that i have that military experience and that experience in war um you listen to these guys and a lot of it is like Man, uh, certainly the equipment was different, and certain you know the tactics were different to a certain degree, and and the setting, especially when you're talking about something like D-Day or or some of these other things, was certainly different. But man, the characters, the jokes, the the (laughs) things that keep you up at night, um, all of that stuff, all seems to kind of be the same. You know, ultimately, like war is distilled down into these relationships that you have with the guys to your left and right, uh, how you view the enemy, and kind of the problems of I miss home, I miss my girlfriend or my wife or, or my kids, you know, um, and the food sucks or, you, you, you know, like it, it just kind of all revolves yeah. around that or my equipment, no matter whether I'm complaining about my nods constantly, uh, turning off in the middle of a, of a mission or, or, you know, my can opener in world war two, not <laughs> working right. right. It, it's still equipment problems. It's still these things that are annoying, you know? And um and it, it it really is interesting that I, I think that, you know, what I could if I could sit down with, you know, a Spartan at the gates of Thermopylae that fought at the gates of Thermopylae, yeah. we would probably have more in common than we had uh, not, you know. Yeah, there's some um, there's
0: some dude going, my fucking shield's too heavy. This is. Yeah, really exactly. Yeah. Like we got that new model over in the other battalion.
1: How come right. we don't got it yet? You know,
0: like it, right. it's, exactly. I think that
1: the the personality and the temperament and. Um, you know, the worries, concerns, all that of the warrior is just, it endures throughout time. And, you know, someday when they're, you know, space forces having space battles, I'm sure they'll be, you know, saying like, man, those guys back in Iraq and Afghanistan had the same problems as us, it turns out, you know, maybe if they, you know, are still circulating violence of action at that time.
0: Well, you know, and I think so. This is where the cool conversation is, right? Because, I mean, we're, it, it, to me, it all boils down to, and am I, My whole thing is, you know, mindset's not a narrative problem. It's a math problem. It's kind of set of behaviors. It's a way of being, it's a way of acting, it's a way of embodying the things around us that then put us in action and prepare us for the moments that we're going to face in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the cool thing for me has been going from the fire service to the military to the agency. I've gotten, I've kind of gotten a different view than a lot of people have, right? Because Mm -hmm. I've kind of been able to immerse myself in these Different environments over time. And it's, it's interesting. There's, there's a, uh, there's a firehouse in Kentland, Maryland, 33, uh, couple of good, really good friends out of there. And I would always say, you know, 33 is like a mini firehouse. So, you know, 100% volunteer. The guys live in the fire station. That's kind of what they do. Some go to school, some of them work, you know, but they live in the back of the firehouse. And, and Kentland, Maryland, I mean, it's a rough area. I mean, these guys are going to three, four fires a day. Uh, it's hyper aggressive. Dude, if you walked in there, you would feel at home because you'd be like, this is regiment. You know, so, you know, when we look at this context for, you know, guys in police departments out there, guys in firehouses out there, guys in the military, guys in range, guys wherever they are, you know, people wherever they are, there is just this similar brotherhood uh, mentality kind of get after it that occurs, you know, which is- I don't think that Ranger
1: Regiment is the only or even special operations no. in general, yeah, totally. the only
0: place that you find
1: high performers. Mm-hmm. And especially as I've kind of gone through my career of journalism and, you know, had the opportunity to interview a lot of just really exceptional people. The more I see like, man, the same person that rises to the level of being in, you know, say an A-list celebrity or a top tier mm-hmm. athlete or a top tier musician, scientist, lawyer, whatever it may be. They have more in common with, you know, the typical ranger or special operator than I think anybody would even be on either side of it would be comfortable admitting. Yes, um, but ultimately, it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, it it takes a lot of the same ingredients, you know.
0: It, it totally does. I mean, I think that's the interesting conversation because, you know, over time, movie people things, you know, they put. They elevate certain components as to something, right? And it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of a matter of respect because you're doing the harder thing or you're serving in the harder world. But you're exactly right. I found the same thing. Like the level of respect that I have for people that do exceptional work, it's just exceptional work, right? It's yeah. it's kind of a a willingness to go above and beyond to uh, do things that you know, maybe the rest of the herd isn't doing, right? To hold a standard. To do things to, that it
1: would just be easier not to do.
0: To wanna, yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's where, you know, we talked a little bit uh before we got on, you know, that's this this personal growth over the last several years, this kind of look at like how jacked up I am uh, or have been at times and getting shit out of my way, Uh, you know, it would be easier not to do that. It'd be easier to yep. look at my wife and like sometimes, you know, I, I really wish you, I wish I didn't know any of this stuff because I feel like life would be easier. Although the reality is it wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty tremendous. So what, when we look at things like uh, violence of action in the book and the storylines there, you know, I really, I feel like there's this idea out there that if I, don't serve at a certain level, or if I don't operate at a certain level, I'm less than something
1: yeah, I think that that's um obviously that that kind of narrative is pervasive throughout the veteran community, and yeah, largely is what leads to this stolen valor um uh, mm-hmm. phenomenon that we have um It's not a phenomenon I think that again, I think that's probably been happening for a long time
0: for a long um, time absolutely
1: but yeah it's it, the the idea of that is is kind of crazy because there's always you know the grass is always greener and there's always mm-hmm. that false summit right like you think that you know when you're training for a ranger selection you're like oh my like once i get there i have made it i'm a fucking ranger like <laughs> there's you know and, and then you get there and it's 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 a false summit. Now it's like, oh, you you know, you got to get to school or you want to become a team leader. Now it's a squad leader or I want to go to a special missions unit, um, yep. you know, and you talk to guys who go to a special missions unit and they're like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, gears a little bit better. I eat a little bit better, but like, it's still the army or, or you know, it's still the military. It still sucks. Man, I yep. wish I was over there with those agency cats. They look like they, you know, they're drinking champagne every night. You <laughs> right. know? And, and, and then you talk to those guys and like, man, these fucking reports and government bureaucracy are just <laughs> totally. tripling me. You know, I wish I was over with those state department, those state department guys, they've got, right. they those got state it. department yeah, those guys or, you know, it, it's just this never ending. And I think that you see that everywhere. It's like, you know, you got the guy who makes it into a D one school on that full ride scholarship. And now it's, that's not good enough. Now I got to be a starter. And then it's, yeah. am I going to make it into the NFL? And then I make it into the NFL. And now am I even going to be on the 52 man rod? Like it's this constant never ending, um, you know, trying to achieve the next best thing. So this idea, you know, circling this back here, this idea that you are, you didn't do enough or you didn't reach a certain level is complete bullshit because you're never <laughs> going to be, especially if you're the type of person that's making it and any sort of higher level thing you're never going to be happy you know and and i find this now with my own stuff it's like hey you know um i I think you know i'm at a point right now where a lot of people recognize like hey marty's pretty good at rearranging words you know and for (laughs) me it's kind of like yeah, but you know what i haven't been a new york times bestseller yet i haven't won a pulitzer or a Maybe that disqualifies me from winning one if I don't even know how to fucking pronounce the award. So <laughs> you're out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, and and, and I'm sure I'm sure um, if and when I achieve any of those sorts of things, it's going to turn right back around to like, well, you know, th- there's always that next level, you know. And um, God, I, I even think about just within the past year, I got my first embed with the U.S. military overseas with special operations. Hard thing to get. People from the biggest publications in the world have a hard time getting those embeds. And I got that, but I got over there and was like, Oh man, I didn't really get access to like all the things I really wanted access to. And, and so it was again, this whole thing of like, yeah, I got it, but it wasn't enough. And then I had to go over again. And then, you know, it's just, it doesn't matter what you're going into. If you're somebody that is attracted to performing at a high level or being better than your peers at anything, you're never going to be happy. And I think the sooner that you realize that you're just never going to be happy professionally, uh, the sooner you can just, you know, start focusing on stuff that will make you as good as you can be. You might not be happy, but you'll at least be as good as you have the potential to be.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I think that it's, you know, it's a reframing of accepting where you are when you're there, right? And, and being exceptional at that, you know what I mean? If I'm a beat cop, then I want to be the best freaking beat cop. Yeah. Maybe I have aspirations to go to the SWAT team or, you know, if I'm an engine guy, Uh, Maybe I want to be a truck guy or I want to go to the heavy rescue or, you know, I mean, I kind of want to Mm -hmm. I want to progress my career. But what makes me great today at what I do, I think, is a is a difference that uh, that that really struggles. I mean, I know like going in regiment, like I had all these envisions of what I would do after I got out of the military. And, uh, you know, I mean, at that time. Uh, like H&K was in my first do as a fireman, like their mm-hmm. their whole shop was right there. And I'm, you know, and I knew a bunch of the instructors and I'm like, oh, I want to go serve in range regiment. So I get out and go be a instructor for H&K, right? And be this badass, right? And so I was living in this future idea of something, not really paying attention to what I was. And I gave this talk back at USASACA, I don't know, it's been a couple of years now, uh, but I supported Cleveland on uh, one of his Mentorship leadership programs. And then they asked me to come get this talk at USASUC. And I think you'll find this humorous because i have got like seven guys from battalion, seven guys from regiment, kind of sitting a couple rows up. They're all sitting in line, are all standard, you know, arm straws staring at me like bullet judgment. And uh and we were talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and you know, but making sure that 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 proper arm position showed me both scrolls, right? Like, yeah. okay, what are you doing? Right. And we were talking, we were having this talk about authenticity, the impact of our lack of authenticity on leadership and uh, operations. And I kind of just paused and I don't know where it came from, but it was like, okay, here Here we go. Is it, you want some authenticity? My time in Rage Battalion sucked. Like it was a grind every Hmm. single day for me. Like it was a, I didn't feel like I assimilated. I didn't feel like I got it. It was just like, Day in and day out, just beating me down. That's how it occurred for me. Uh, you know, we talked about all this stuff and, and you know, all those guys came up afterwards and they were like, dude, you nailed that one on on the head. You know, and so I, but, you know, I got to pretend to be something else because, you know, we're going to be something. So we're really not accepting where we are in the role we are. You know, I wasn't happy being a private. I wasn't happy being a, an ammo bearer, an assistant gunner. I wanted to be, you know, uh, I wanted to be on a different squad. You know, I was like pure do pure disappointment right just living in pure disappointment and i think that's what creates that's what ends up getting created in exactly what you're talking about
1: yeah i mean i think it's i think it's possible to recognize you're doing something cool right now today or doing something at a high level while still being simultaneously unsatisfied knowing that there's more out there totally you know it's like when i was a ranger like i you know similar deal like for me i was you know I was not the guy that was uh that was being talked about for Ranger Hall of Fame. You know what I mean like right. far far from it. But you right. know what I still could recognize that you know going out on target and stuff like that like man I'm like this is fucking cool. Like this is yeah. this is everything that I hoped it it could have been, but you still know there's still something else out there. And it's yeah. it's like that like I said it's like that today uh for me today where you know um I know like what the sort of stuff that I'm doing for Black Rifle right now and the stuff that we're doing over at Coffee or Die, I mean, I'm going around the world getting stories, going to dangerous, austere places to get mm-hmm. just really incredible stories and, and writing, uh, filming, photographing good stuff. And, and I think at a high level, um, yeah. but it's still there's always more out there. You can always be doing better, you know, and I think that the I think that the minute that, you know, like I said, I can recognize that while still simultaneously
0: recognizing I'm capable of more.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. See, I feel like there's this, I feel like sometimes there's this place that says, well, if I'm satisfied with where I am, then I, then I'm giving up something in the future. No, go after all of it. Like be a freaking rock star, you know, and, and, and get, and actually what will get you there is being here right now. It's like fully embracing what it is. I made a comment. I said, it felt like I didn't fully understand the Ranger Creed until like 10 years after I had been in battalion. I'm going to go I mean? out like, on
1: a limb and say, just on on a side tangent here, yeah. you know what, as a writer now, I kind of recognize the Ranger Creed could have been written a little bit better. It is, <laughs> when you recite that thing, yeah. it, is, it is written in such a way that is so counterintuitive to the way people speak that mm-hmm. it, it is like, it, yeah, I think it could have been <laughs> simplified a little bit. I think Last we could have got the message across. <laughs> Yeah, But just maybe rearrange the sentences in a few ways to, you know, switch to active voice instead of passive voice. And sure. just a few things like that. Sure. Um, you know, that being said, though, I think it is. And, and I still look at that as far as the principles that it espouses mm-hmm. and and kind of the example it sets. It's like, man, those most of what that says, most of what that creed says applies to just about any facet of life from marriage Anything. to parenthood to performance at work to it, whatever you want you can pick something out of that and be like, you know, yeah, this, this, this applies, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I think it's that, it's that kind of embodiment of something one greater than yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and holding yourself to a standard, uh, and a standard practice that, you know, we don't always do, uh, you know, we, we do, you know, we do drop the ball on occasion. but yep. But yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a huge uh, piece to it, and it gives you. I mean, I always say, wow, regiment was uber difficult in my life. It was the best thing I ever had. Right? It, it built a foundation for me of standards and practice and adherence to certain principles uh, that really charted the rest of my life. You know, that yeah, really hundred percent. there's stuff yeah. to this
1: day where I go through. And I think about just the simple things like really having attention to detail ground into you like it mm-hmm. is in Ranger Regiment. Oh, when no. I look at when I when I'm packing for a trip or or something like that, and I've got all this camera equipment, you know, care of equipments, attention mm-hmm. to detail, all these little things um, that I see other people who do similar jobs as me, that they don't they didn't have that ground into them like I do. And they have a lot more things go wrong for them. And and I yeah. and I honestly look at like, man, the intangibles of, of what I took away from my time in Ranger Regiment, just they reach into so many different aspects of my life, you know, and um and n- not the least of which, which is like, man, you know, like you said, it sucks. It's a grind like it's hard for me these days to like I can rec- recognize something is hard. Um, I'm not one of those guys that's like, well, it's not as hard as what I did in Rush. Like, no, I'm, I, I, I'm not that guy. We need to but get Matt what? on the show and he'll be like,
0: no, let me tell you.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, but but th- that being said, though, uh, it did set that very early foundation of what it's like to suck and to yes. cope with sucking. And now mm-hmm. I can get into shitty situations and be like, OK, I at least... It, it doesn't mean that because it's not as shitty and maybe, in, I think there's been situations I've been in that were more shitty than what I did in Reign yeah. Italian. Yeah. Um, but that being said though, you learn how to cope with shitty situations and how mm-hmm. to address them mentally, physically, all that sort of stuff. So now it's, um, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not afraid to be in a shitty situation. I certainly don't look forward to it, but like, <laughs> I at least know that like, Hey, if I'm getting myself into a shitty situation, I know that I will be able to cope with it and um it's not going to break me a perfect example of this was uh the other weekend my brother and i who's also a former ranger um went out for a a, what we thought would be a backpacking trip up in the white mountains of new hampshire thought Mm -hmm. the snow had been cleared for the most part turns out they just got dumped on like two or three days before we took off on the trip so a mile up um as we started getting up in elevation we found ourselves that it was you know the day was starting to slip into night light was slipping away and we were in waist-deep snow, post-holing our way, trying to get that last mile to the campsite. It took us two and a half, three hours to move Ugh. one mile. And, I mean, literally to the point where, like, my hips and my um, MCL and ACL were spasming from the, Ugh. you know, very specific movements that you do while you're post-holing. The yeah. fact that we were doing it, you know, at night in the dark with just headlamps on and stuff, that sucked. But, you know, what? both of us were just, like, you know, laughing about it, making jokes both fully recognize that, Hey, this fucking sucks, right? Right. (laughs) We were totally mentally and physically equipped for, um, for, you know, completing the mission and, and not letting it break us, you know? And and that's something that I, I credit Ranger regiment for instilling in me.
0: Well, yeah. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, we're going to close out our episode today because, and, and I want you to stick around because I want to dive into that a little bit more and a little bit deeper. And I want to circle back to something that you brought up that I think is important. And it kind of goes back to the way you wrote the book, but how do we remove some of the, the politics, you know, kind of this pervasive crap that's going on for everybody today? Uh, you know, across fire service, across military, across law yeah. enforcement agencies. I want to, I want to dive in and have some of those conversations. So if you'll stick around and join me, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, and for the rest of you again, thanks for joining me today on your Monday morning podcast. Uh, we'll be back with Marty on Wednesday, uh, with our deep dive. So make sure you subscribe and, uh, and check us back out. Thanks for listening to Mindset Radio. If you like today's show and want to know more, check us out at opmindset.com backslash mindset radio. That's opmindset.com backslash mindset radio. You'll have all the show notes and bonus materials from today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe and make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure to check out our sponsors and stop by opmindset.org. That's opmindset.org to learn more about how we're mentally, physically, and emotionally preparing those who choose to place themselves in harm's way through the Operational Mindset Foundation. I'm your host, Jeff Bandman, and we'll see you next time on Mindset Radio.